Hear ye, hear ye. My name is Ursula Soljust, and I'm here with Robin Soljust. Robin, state your claim before the people. Hello, Justice Rhymes. This is podcast number eight in the series. The title is The Black Sugar Not So Sweet. In the subject of this podcast, we're going to be talking about the wards in Houston. And for those of you who are not from Houston, or if you don't know anybody in Houston, the wards are referred to, for the most part, the areas that was part of the Freeman's town after the Civil War. Like George Floyd grew up in Third Ward. So you're going to hear about the wards. But one of the questions is, which came first? The freed African American from Fort Bend County or Houston? So the wards in Houston were populated with the freed and soon to be freed African Americans from Fort Bend County and other counties with large African American enslaved labor. In 1835, there were more than 5,000 African-American enslaved people who lived in Texas. So Justice Riders, this happened before Sam Houston even got here. In 1935, despairing of the chance for security and peace, Austin, that's Stephen F. Austin, he was hoping that Mexico was so Texas for the United States. Austin was eager for immigration to increase so Texas could become more Americanized. With the repeal of the law of April 6th of 1830, a thousand immigrants per month begin to arrive at the mouth of the Brazos River. By this time, Austin and his followers clashed with the Mexican government, which eventually led to the Texas Revolution in 1835. So, a year later, in 1836, Sam Houston led the battle at San Jacinto, where Texas gained its independence from Mexico. The Texas Declaration of Independence of 1836 included the signatures of Ambrose Ellis and Richard Ellis, who were ancestors of Littleberry Ellis. And you will read more about Littleberry Ellis later in the story. Littleberry Ellis, just to give you a summary, was one of the main evil leasers of the convict leasing system, right along with Edward Cunningham from 1879 to 1883. These two evil men, can you believe it, are being honored in the neighborhood where I live called New Territory. And their names are on streets, parks, and pools. And every time I take my granddaughter Scarlett swimming, I got to be tortured when I see the name Ellis Creek. Or if I take her across 99, I have to see that that part is Cunningham Creek. Sam Houston became so pop- so popular that eventually 
He became the president of Texas because of the victory of the Battle of San Jacinto. And that made Houston a hero to many Texans. It did, Ursula. He therefore won the 1836 Texas presidential election. And he defeated Samuel, I mean, uh, Stephen F. Austin. So you know Stephen F. Austin didn't like that because he was here since 1821. Sam Houston didn't get here to 1835. Mm -hmm. But because he was the one that just conquered this uh, Santa Ana at the, the, uh, at the uh, San Jacinto, all of a sudden he was all popular. So the powers to be selected the new capital in the area currently named after Houston. Eventually, the area now known as Austin, which was at that time called the Waterloo, that became the capital after Texas became the 28th state. But that didn't happen to 10 years later in 1846. So the Texas Declaration of Independence was not good for African-Americans because the Texas Declaration of Independence declared all political power is inherited in the people and all men have equal rights except Africans uh, and the descendants of Africans and Indians. It's funny that they should put them both together, <laughs> Africans and Indians. They classify them in the same can you believe the nerve? Because when you look at the Declaration of Independence, that was written in 1776. They got nerve. This is 1846. So they're just going to make up their own stuff as they go along. They wasn't even part of the United States. They only came on board after Sam Houston won that battle against Mexico. And then all of a sudden, these groups were excluded from citizenship and all persons of color who were slaves for life will remain in the like state of servitude. This is what they wanted. Basically, the 1836 Texas Constitution decreed that no free person of African descent, either in whole or in part, should be permitted to reside permanently in the Republic without the consent of Congress. African-American life after Texas independence was shaped by new and existing legal constraints, slavery and violence. The Texas Constitution of 1836 gave more protection to slaveholders while further controlling the lives of enslaved people through new black codes adopted from Southern state pig laws. Immediately after the Civil War ended, Southern states enacted those black codes that allow African-Americans certain rights, such as legalized marriage, ownership of property, and limited access to the courts, but denied them the right to testify against whites, to serve on juries, or in state militias, vote, or start a job without the approval of their previous employer. These codes were all repealed in 1866 when Reconstruction began. But after the failure of Reconstruction in 1877 and the removal of Black men from political offices, Southern states again enacted a series of laws intended to circumscribe the lives of African-Americans. Harsh contract laws 
penalize anyone attempted to leave a job before an advance had been worked off. Pig laws unfairly penalized the poor African-Americans for crimes such as stealing a farm animal and vagrancy statutes made it a crime to be unemployed. Many misdemeanors or trivial offenses were treated as felonies with harsh sentences and fines. The pig laws stayed on the books for decades and were expanded with even more discriminatory laws once the Jim Crow era began. The Texas legislator passed increasingly restrictive laws governing the lives of free Blacks, including a law banishing all free Blacks from the Republic of Texas. Therefore, the majority of Black Texans remain enslaved. Sam Houston, he sought normalized relations with Mexico. And despite some resistance from the legislator, he arranged the release of Santa Ana, believe it or not. Concerned about upsetting the balance between slave states and free states, then President Andrew Jackson refused to push for the annexation of Texas. But in his last official act in office, he granted Texas diplomatic recognition. With the United States unwilling to annex Texas, Houston began courting British support as part of this effort. He urged the end of the importation of slaves into Texas, because you know they were still bringing them in. They were still bringing the slaves in illegally through Galveston. When when were they? When did they begin to name stuff after Sam Houston? Ursa, that's a good question. Because as you hearing what I'm saying, he just got here. He was not here way back when Stephen F. Austin was here. Sam Houston came in as being a, in charge of that army. So in early 1837, the government moved to a new capital, which they named Houston after Sam Houston, and it was. The uh the country's he was the country's first president. When I say that, because at that time Texas was not part of the United States. It was its own system of government, and it had its own president. And they named their president uh, Sam Houston. Since Austin was defeated by Sam Houston in the bid for the presidency of the new nation, he instead took the position of Secretary of State. Now listen to this, Justice Riders. Austin died in office in December of that year, in 1836, after being stricken with pneumonia, and he was only 43 years old. So in 1837, the Congress of the Republic of Texas incorporated Richmond, which is not that far from Sugarland, and 13 other towns, including Fort Bend County, which was created from portions of Austin, Harris, and Brazoria County. Richmond became a prosperous trade center for the surrounding agricultural regions, cotton and sugar, and other products, which were sent down the Brazos River to the port of Galveston. Hmm. As you said in the earlier podcast, it's very important to know that the sugarcane plantations and the farms in Texas were operated by... Uh, African-Americans who were enslaved, um, they supplied the Imperial Sugar Index Complex. 
because of their hard labor, they helped build the Imperial Sugar Company and its company town. You know, it's a lot of stuff that's going on around there. I saw an article the other day how they're going to revamp it. It says something about like a a billion dollar facelift or something. Mm. How they're going to make it like a marketplace. Mm. Yeah, but I wonder if they're going to give credit to the African-American people who actually planted that sugar cane and harvested and refined it. So we just need the story to be told. And that's why we're doing this podcast. Because you have to be the one to tell the truth and to uplift the whole importance of that horrific system known as convict leasing. Much of the early prosperity based on the plantation system, it ended with the Civil War. And at that time, Fort Bend had a large black population. Over 60% were mostly African-American people. And Fort Bend, the plantations and property owners generally supported the Confederacy. And many joined Terry's Texas Rangers, which was led by Benjamin F. Terry of Sugarland, and you know, sometimes it just gets to me that these schools around here are named for the people who did in African American people. You, know, you got Terry High School, you got Austin High School, you got Kempton High School. Did they name anything after any of the African American people who did any of this monumental work? I don't think so. Did any of the battles reach Fort Bend County? No, Ursula. During the Civil War, there were no battles that reached the area. But the worst duration in the economic, social, and political hardships that followed put great stress on the Fort Bend County community. And in 1837, Houston, Texas was incorporated and divided into four wards and later into six wards. And the wards means areas of political. You're going to see in a minute because I'm going to not see, but here in a minute. Basically, after the Civil War ended, former enslaved African-Americans from the areas surrounding Houston, such as Sugarland, Stafford, Richmond, and Missouri City, began to move into the outskirts of 3rd, 4th, and 5th Ward. Uh, the African-American people who came to Texas in 1824 with their slave owners lived in Fort Bend County at least 13 years before the wars in Houston were established. So and and so I do I see what you're saying. You know, it appears that you're saying as as clear as it can be, people or the African-American community migrated from this particular area, which would be Fort Bend County, on out to the Harris County areas, which would, would be the wards. Exactly. Third, fourth, fifth. Exactly. Because when the city of Houston was founded in 1836 and incorporated in 1837, its founders, John Kirby Allen and Augustus Chapman Allen, they divided it into political geographic districts called wards. The ward system was a precursor to today's city council districts, was a common political tool of the early 19th century, and is still used in some American cities. 
When the system was at its peak, the city has six wards from the first to the sixth. So three years later, in 1840, the Republic of Texas altered the city charter for Houston, divided, dividing it into four wards. Historically, the wards reflected geographic boundaries without consideration of the population density within wards. Houston's Municipal Charter of 1840 recognized the square area of nine square miles, which was divided into the four wards. Though the surveyors chose the Harris County Courthouse as the geographical center of Houston, the ward boundaries were formed by two axes converging at the corner of Main and Congress streets. These resulted in four pie-shaped wards, almost identical in size, numbering clockwise from the Northwest Quadrant. Voters from each ward elected two aldermen who served the public without pay. Candidates for aldermen were limited, believe it or not, although you are gonna believe it, to white men only. Texas citizens, and furthermore, were subject to requirements to have nominal tenure of residency and real estate holdings in the city. So listen to this, Justice Riders. After slavery ended in Texas on June 19th, 1865, which we know it really was 1863, they just took two years to give the information, <laughs> freed African-Americans were forced to live in separate enclaves within each of the Houston wards. The voting population of the wards was lower than the population since women and African-Americans had been forbidden from voting. Instead, wards followed boundaries featuring such things as the Buffalo Bayou, Congress Street, Main Street. Each ward elected, as I said, two aldermen to the Houston City Council. The election of the mayor of Houston was citywide. So, according to Betty Chapman, she's a historian, this is what she said. They really were mixed societies in the early days. Where you work dictated where you live, not who you wanted to live around. The ward boundaries touched each other at the intersection of Congress Street and Main Street. So, first ward of Houston established in 1840, <clears throat> which was located inside the, the 610 Loop. <clears throat> it's one of the city's historic wards. It was originally the center of the business district for the city and was strategically located at the intersection of Buffalo Bayou and White Oak Bayou near an area now known as Allen's Landing. Yes, it was later defined as all area within the city limits of Houston, which was much smaller at the time, north of Congress Street and was on Main Street. In 1866, First Ward land to the north and east of White Oak Bayou and Little White Oak Bayou was split off to create part of the Fifth Ward. Just prior to the abolition of the war system in 1915, the Woodland Heights neighborhood was constructed in what was then the northwest corner of the ward, <clears throat> just north of the White Oak Bayou. The First Ward was northwest of that intersection. The ward housed the city's market house and produced industry facilities. What was once Produce Row 
which was a group of produce businesses on Commerce Street in the urbanized section of First Ward, is now downtown Houston. What was then rural First Ward had many farms, so the process of food production occurred in the First Ward. And in 2018, the street artist Duel made a mural representing Produce Row on the main uh, and uh, country building in downtown. So, Ursula, tell us about the second ward. So, the second ward, also known as Segundo Barrio, and that's Spanish for a second neighborhood or Segundo in short. Uh, historically, Das Zweiter in German is a historical political district ward in the East End community in Houston. Yes. It was one of the four original wards of the city in the 19th century. The community known as the second ward today is roughly bounded by Buffalo Bayou to the north, Lockwood Avenue to the east, and railroad tracks to the south and west. Although the city of Houston's super neighborhood program included a section east of Lockwood. The second ward, was a, uh, which initially had a significant German-American population, today has many Mexican-American residents. Many Mexican-Americans moved into the area following World War II and the subsequent white flight from the area. The northern end of the community is largely industrial, leading to massive warehouse complexes along the bayou. The second ward was located to the northeast. The courthouse and the heavy warehouses were located there, and therefore many lawyers and merchants resided there. There are also many industrial buildings, some of which have found new life as lofts on the western edge of the neighborhood nearest to downtown in Minute Maid Park. Many buildings in the community were constructed in the 1920s and bear the Art Deco style. While perceived as run down and neglected in the 1800s to the year 2020, recent years have seen major civic improvement, including new street lights and pavements. And just know that in 1860, there were 906 people in the second ward with 482 born outside of the United States, making up 53% of the total and the remaining uh, born in the United States. Those U.S. born include people from immigrant families, with 53% of them being of German descent and others being from Algeria, Austria, Belgium, Canada, Cuba, England, France, and so on. Now tell us a teeny bit about the most famous ward, and that is the Third War. Okay, but wow, let me just put a note at what you were just saying. It, it sounds like that may have been during the time, and I, I'm, I'm not, I could be wrong, and that that was during the time of industrialization, where they yes. it's because they moved out from the country towns into the more city towns that may have been growing, may have more factories, more jobs, and yes. stuff like that. That is so true. Okay, so Third War, like you say, was very, very popular. Uh, it still is today, almost like the Black Mecca. <laughs> yes. There's <laughs> some nice spots in Third War, but it's in the Southeast, um, and it was named Third War. Over time, this area became an important center of African-American-owned businesses and a hub for Black culture. 
The third ward was situated in the Southeast originally before African-Americans migrated here. Business people, craftsmen, and professionals lived there. The third ward had finer houses than other wards. Third ward originally uh, could promise the area east of Main Street and south of Congress Street. Yes, uh, so in the beginning of the establishment of all the wars, African Americans were forced to live on the outskirts of the wars. But as whites moved to the suburbs known as white flight, African Americans began to purchase property in the heart of the war. In 1872, influential African Americans, led by Reverend John Henry Jack Yates, he raised $8,000 to purchase four acres of land which would become Emancipation Park, the first park for black historians, Houstonians, and home to the annual Juneteenth celebration, commemorating the liberation of African-Americans from slavery in Texas. So Jack Lates, there's a school named after him, and it's located at 3650 Alabama Street near Texas Southern University in a historic third ward in Houston. Yates High School, handles grades 9 through 12, and is part of the Houston Independent School District. Now, Reverend Yates was a former slave and a minister. He and other uh, Black leaders established the Houston Baptist Academy. And within a decade, the success of the school prompted Reverend Yates to reorganize the Houston Baptist Academy at the Houston College. The school offered a special opportunity to the Black children of the community who sought an alternative to the colored high school of the public school system. Yates has HISD magnet program for communications, broadcast TV, radios, print, and photography. It also has a marine time study magnet program. And believe it or not, this is the school that George Floyd graduated from. And a few years ago, on February 8th, 2021, leaders unveiled a two block mural dedicated to George Floyd and located directly in front of his alma mater, Jack Yates High School. And this was said by Carl Davis, who's the chairman of the Houston Society for Change. We come to celebrate the life and legacy of our hometown hero, Mr. George Floyd. And as everybody knows, you justice writers, George Floyd was only 46 years old and he died in May, 2020 after a Minneapolis police officer knelt on his neck. And of course, that was for over eight minutes. The mural was commissioned by uh, Commissioner Rodney uh, Ellis. And so now the last, oh, uh, and oh, you, you also know this, and the first soldiers is gonna tell us about one of the most famous HBCUs that's in the third war. Oh yes, Texas. Southern, the university, uh, it serves as the cultural and community center of the Third War area where it is located. Texas Southern University, known as TSU, is a public, historically black university in Houston, Texas. Yes, Justice Riders, and TSU is one of the largest and most comprehensive historical black colleges in the United States with over 10,000 students. And so that's going to bring us to 
the fourth ward because as we said, this whole area started six wards and then eventually we ended up with the four wards. So we're going to give you a little homework because we told you about wards, first one, the second one, and the third one, and there is a fourth ward and there's also a fifth ward. So we want you to do a little research on those other wards. So for now, we are ending this podcast with the most famous word, and that's third word. All right. Well, thank you, Robin. Uh, thank you. Appreciate you as always for another hot drop in Black history. We look forward to talking with you guys later. Bye.